Okay, let's open up to Proverbs now, chapter 29, please. Proverbs chapter 29. And we're going to do two things at once. We're continuing our perusal of the Proverbs, and we are continuing with the theme of Vision Sunday, Proverbs 29 and verse number 18. Proverbs 29, verse 18. All right, the Bible says here, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. This ties nicely with what Jesus said in the Gospel of John. It's one thing to know his commandments, but happy are ye if ye do them. So with this idea, this, this idea of Vision Sunday and what we read in this verse, we're going to talk tonight about this vision and try to get you happy and avoid the perishing part. So if you would bow your heads with me, let's begin with a word of prayer and then we'll dive right in. Father, thank you this, this evening for the chance to once again open the Word of God. And Lord, while we're talking about vision, we're asking tonight that you would open our eyes to behold wondrous things out of thy law. Lord, please speak to us through this book and show us something, Lord, that we haven't seen before. Give us some insight into what you see. Lord, help us to see, it, uh, see life through your eyes. Father, please have your hand upon the lesson now and help all of us to receive it with open hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, as you can see in verse 18, the verse kind of explains itself. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, a lot of people quote just that part of the verse and then they will talk about something, and it's a good thing, they'll say you need to have a, a vision for lost souls. You need to be able to see eternity. And you need to be able, be able in your mind's eye to picture heaven and picture hell. And that way we can go out and evangelize. If we don't do that, people perish. So that's good preaching. I like that. And I think there's, there's some truth even from the verse that would touch on that. But, but we're going to go right to what the verse I believe is trying to tell us. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. The vision goes with the law. This is the revealed word of God. So when it says, where there is no vision, I believe what Solomon is talking about is where there is a lack of God's words, people perish. So I'm going to draw your attention to this over and over again. We're going to look at this from many different angles tonight. But let me make a couple statements that I believe will set the tone for this lesson tonight. When God stops speaking, you're finished. When God stops speaking, you're finished. I think one of the scariest things that can ever happen in your life, and I mean this, I, I truly mean this, there are some horrible things that can happen, losing a job, a family member, a relationship breakup, there's lots of messy things. But if the Lord were to stay quiet, hide His face, and not speak to you, I don't think you could bear any of those other things. You, you must have, in order to live instead of die, in order to avoid this perishing, there needs to be God communicating openly with you. So when God stops speaking, you're finished. But I think that also works with this next statement. When you stop looking and listening to what God is showing you, you're also finished. Because it could be that God is speaking to you. You're just not paying attention. So either way, you end up with a lack 
of vision. And where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, turn your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 23. We're going to, by the grace of God, look at several different scriptures tonight. Jeremiah 23 and verse 16. Let me say this about vision. And as we look at these verses, I believe what I've told you about the vision equaling God's Word, you're going to see this over and over again in these verses. It is great to have a plan for your life, right? The Bible says a man's heart deviseth his path. So it's, I have no issues with anybody sitting down and making a plan. But let's be careful here not to confuse our plans with God's plans. Because what often happens is we draw up a plan... This is our dream, our vision for our life. This is how we want things to go. Then we take that plan to God and we say, God, bless the plan. God, execute my plan. And we actually start to get agitated, frustrated when the Lord doesn't work according to our plan. But you see, you might have a vision, long-term vision, that doesn't make it God's vision. And, And I think... It could be said that that long-term vision that came from you can blind you. It stops you from seeing what God might be trying to reveal to you. So Jeremiah 23 and verse number 16. The Bible says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Hearken not unto the words of the prophets that prophesy unto you. They make you vain. They speak a vision of their own heart and not out of the mouth of the Lord. Do you see the connection between a vision that can come from the mouth of the Lord? So they say, right, a picture's worth a thousand words. Well, this is true, I think, in, in a general practical sense, but when it's the Word of God, one, one word can be worth a thousand pictures. And that's what God's trying to do when He communicates to us through His Word. He's trying to draw you a picture for what He thinks life should look like for you. And he's saying, be careful for these people that bring a vision of their own heart. You need something that's coming out of the mouth of the Lord. Look at uh, 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles chapter 17. I'm just going to give you a couple more verses here that talk about vision as it's related to the Word of God. 1 Chronicles 17, verse number 15. 1 Chronicles 17, verse 15. The Bible says, according to all these words and according to all this vision, so did Nathan speak unto David. Nathan was a prophet. Nathan showed up to David and said, this is what the Lord has promised and has said about you. This is what He's going to do for you. Wonderful promises about establishing David's house long term. Great passage. But, but many times when you read in the, in the prophets... Even Isaiah chapter 1, verse 1, it says, The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, and then on it goes. So these are his words, but it is a vision, it is a picture that God gave Isaiah and said, Now explain this to the people. Put it into words. Look at 2 Chronicles chapter 32. 2 Chronicles chapter 32. You folks help me out. Let me just ask you a personal question here. Do you prefer the movie or the book that produced the movie? Would you, most people say, I prefer the movie because I can get it over with a lot quicker. It'll take me six months to read the book, 
the movie, hour and a half, right? So we prefer the movie to the book. You know what? It's been my experience. If you ever have the chance to read the book and then see the movie that comes from the book, the book is often far better. There's so much more in the book. We have become such a visual society, right? YouTube and TikTok and all that stuff has kind of infiltrated our minds. It has robbed us of our imagination. And I think there's something beautiful about God communicating to us, not in pictures, but in words. And then He allows us to meditate on His Word, and it allows us to have that vision in our minds and in our hearts for what God has for us. Now, 2 Chronicles 32, verse 32, it says, Now the rest of the acts of Hezekiah and his goodness, behold, they are written in the vision of Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, and in the book of of the kings of Judah and Israel. You've heard of having 20-20 vision. As far as I've been told, that's perfect vision. Can anybody verify that, 20-20? Let's just run with that. Now, I I have glasses, as you can see. I've had glasses for a long time. I can't remember not having glasses, actually. I don't know what my vision is. It's not 20-20. I think they quit counting years ago. It's so messed up. Now imagine if, if you could just look through the eyes of God for a moment and see things the way He sees them. Boy, wouldn't they look differently? I would need some strong glasses to look through His eyes, right? Because my, my eyes don't work like His. He sees the world. He sees reality. He sees our hearts, our minds. He sees the whole show. For when God begins to speak and tell you what He is seeing, Do you realize how precious that is? You can get that nowhere else. No one can provide that for you. Only God can offer that type of vision. So there's television and then there's God vision, right? There's the one-eyed monster. That's the television, the glass toilet. And then there's God's vision. (laughs) I'm just painting a picture in your mind. (laughs) Look at 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3. Where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Hang on to what God has shown you. Count his words precious, precious. 1 Samuel 3, verse 1, And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. I know, what does he mean? The word of the Lord was precious. This doesn't mean that Eli counted it as a great thing. It's actually the opposite. The Lord wasn't speaking much. It was very rare to find anybody that was speaking forth or meditating, preaching, writing about the word of the Lord. And that way it was precious. It's not very different from the day and age in which we live. They have a temple, they have a religion, but they didn't have a lot of Bible that gave structure to their religion. They were making it up as they went. And, and I think we're pretty much back to that time where there's no king in Israel. Every man does that which is right in his own eyes. In his own eyes. Human vision. There's no open vision. There's, there's no, nowhere that God says, you got a Bible? Open to this verse and let me show you what that means. Let me expound on that. God, now, now listen, that's a general revelation. 
Furthermore, open vision, this is when God speaks to you personally as well. Haven't you ever been reading through the Bible? And, and something out of a verse just jumps off the page and speaks to your life directly. And it doesn't even fit, it doesn't work in the context. It's not good teaching, but it preaches to you. It is just what you needed to hear. And this is God giving you a, a unique and inside look into your heart. And that's vision. And if you don't have that, you're not living, you're dying. Where there is no vision, the people perish. That's what was happening to the nation of Israel in 1 Samuel 3. It was perishing because the religious leaders were not interested in the word of the Lord. Look at verse 7. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Why? He was young. He was about seven years old here. Neither was the word of the Lord yet revealed unto him. This is when God would speak, Samuel could not recognize it. He hadn't had that experience yet. And what comes next in the passage? The Lord called Samuel again. So in, the, in this passage, the reason we have verse 7 is to explain why didn't Samuel know that it was God calling him. Because he called out, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel ran to Eli and thought Eli was calling him. And Eli said, boy, I didn't call. You go lay back down. Stop bothering me. And then the Lord called again, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel runs to Eli. Yes, yes, sir, what'd you, did you call me? I didn't call you. Go lay back down. You're bothering me, kid. And then the third time, the Lord calls him. And he runs over, Eli, do you need me? And Eli finally figures it out and says, you know what? I think God is speaking to that boy. He says, the next time you hear that voice, say, speak, Lord, thy servant heareth. Now, it's kind of a strange way to think about it, but you're going to get vision through your ears. <laughs> By listening, look at verse number 21. Verse 21, And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed Himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. This happens on two levels. This can happen with you, you just reading the Bible, getting to know God from the Bible. And I know that might sound like a very fundamental, basic principle, but have you done that? Have you read through the Bible enough so that you can recognize, could you pick God out of a lineup? If we lined up Jehovah with all the other gods, could you pick him out? Would you know which one he is? One way, that's just a general way, you get to know him through his revealed word. But then there's also the aspect, a very personal, intimate aspect, where you have spent enough time with God in private that you recognize the voice of the Lord. And you know when He's speaking to you, personally. Because not everything that you are going to do in your life is spelled out in the Bible. There's no verse in the Bible that says, Mike Flick should go to Malawi. Mike Flick, now it's time to go to Potch. There was no verse for that. But nevertheless, I can look back and, and, and listen. I don't expect you to be able to listen to the story and say, yep, that had to be right. It's, it's subjective. It's between me and the Lord. But after a while, you get used to hearing that voice. You, you know when God is showing you something. There's your vision. Say, this is God doing something. And you follow along with it. Come to um, 2 Corinthians, please. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I 
Uh, This verse is one of those strange paradoxes in the Bible. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse eighteen. Second Corinthians four, verse eighteen. The Apostle Paul writes, While we look not at the things which are seen, there's a paradox. I'm looking at something I cannot see. Well, <laughs> sounds kind of futile, doesn't it? While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, where, where are we going to get that kind of vision? How can we see things that we cannot see? How do we do that? Turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 27. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 27. The Bible says here, talking about Moses, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. How do you do that? Well, Moses had been walking with God long enough that he knew when God was working. He recognized the voice of God. So Moses can have a burning bush moment. And, and not everybody had those, right? Not every believer is going to have a burning, an actual burning bush. That was unique to his story. But that's God giving him some extra vision and saying, here's what I want you to do. And I'm hoping that you also develop that kind of walk with the Lord because eventually God's going to give you your own version of the burning bush. And, and He'll do it more often than not, if not directly, He will at least uh, validate what you're hearing and what you're experiencing. Something will come to you from the Bible to help you make sense of what the Lord is showing you. Come to Psalm 119. Let me give you an example here. Psalm 119, Psalm 119, and let's get verse number 18, Psalm 119, verse 18. For years and years now, I have used this verse, for a long time I prayed it every day, I, I I pray some other things now before I read my Bible, but I still sometimes circle back to this thought. I would quote this verse to the Lord before I'd read my Bible. And I would, let's say, claim this promise, if you will. Verse 18, Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. God, show me something. Please speak to me. Now let me break this down in two ways. Some of the wondrous things from God's book are objectively true. Now you understand when we say objectively, we're talking about it's an outside object. Everybody could look at that and say, yes, that is true. Right? Everybody could validate that. But then there are some wondrous things that will be subjectively true. Right? It is private to the subject that is having that experience. So you may not be able to validate it, but... I am convinced that it is real. 
Now, let me be careful to break this down because these subjectively true things, sometimes people can run far and fast the wrong way with that. So let me be clear on this. Subjective truth will never contradict objective truth. Right? So that personal intimate moment you had with the Lord where you think God is telling you something specific, it will never contradict what all of us can read in the Bible. I'll give you some examples of this. God would never call a woman to be a pastor. Now, that has nothing to do with him not liking women or being a male chauvinist. It has nothing to do with that. It's in Scripture that a woman should keep silence in the church and not fulfill that role of a pastor. It has to do with how God set up the home, so he's not going to contradict that, that structure in the home. So when, some, when a woman comes and says, I believe God called me to be a pastor... I'm not, I can't agree with that subjective story. But God showed me this and that. I'd have to say, no, I don't think He did. Because God already showed all of us that that's not right. If God were, if let's say two people were to come and say, God told us to get married. And it's Adam and Steve instead of Adam and Eve. God never told Adam and Steve to get married. God wouldn't do that because God didn't set it up like that. Right? So when they come and say, but this is my truth, and this is what I feel is right, and I think God told me to do it, I know that God didn't tell you to do that. Not the God of the Bible. Because the God of the Bible already told us how He feels about that. The Lord would never persuade someone to follow Muhammad. He flat out contradicts the Bible. So to say, well, you have your version of God, I have my version, no. There's one God, one true God, and the other ones are false gods. So you see, somebody cannot just claim, well, this is my truth. Not if it contradicts objective truth. But there are plenty of times where God is going to show you something personal to you. And as long as it's not contradicting Scripture, you might want to follow up on that. Now I'm going to give you a few personal illustrations, and hopefully the Lord will give you yours in due time. Look at Jeremiah chapter 3. This was one of the first times God ever spoke to me through His Word and gave me direction in a specific, unique way right when I needed it. I was a very young Christian. I'd been saved about four months, three months even maybe. My pastor came to me and he said, Brother Mike, would you like to be the youth leader in our church, the youth pastor? We had, I think, three youth in the church. It was only about 30 people in the church. And I thought, well, I'd love to help in any way I can. I didn't know anything about being a youth pastor, but I said, Brother Freddie, I'll pray about it. So he, here, here's my great depth of my spiritual life. I went home and prayed and said, God, what do you want me to do? You want me to do that? I said, please show me something from your word. And, and I, I played Russian roulette. <laughs> I, I dropped open my Bible, I closed my eyes, I put my finger on the page, and I read this verse, Jeremiah 3, verse 4. Will thou not from this time cry unto me, my father, thou art the guide of my youth? <laughs> I thought, man, I landed on a verse about a youth pastor. <laughs> How did I find it? And I, I said, Lord, this must be you calling me. So I said, Brother Freddie, I'll give it a shot. I'll try. I'm not saying it went that well, but I tried. I tried. We, we gathered the youth. We did some stuff together. I did the best I could with that. But you see, Jeremiah 3 verse 4 has nothing to do with youth pastors in the New Testament. But it spoke to me. It was something I needed to hear. 
Esther chapter 1. Come to that. Esther chapter 1. While I was in Bible school, I began praying about what God would have me to do. In my first year of school, God made it clear I should be in the full-time ministry. In my last year of school, I began to pray about where to go as a missionary. God had narrowed it down. I I wasn't going to be a pastor in America. He wanted me to be a foreign missionary. And now I needed to decide where. I had a burden, and still do, for India. I wanted to go to India. And I, I tried. I literally tried to open that door. I went to our bookstore. I bought Hindi tracts, a Hindi Bible. I painted the house of an Indian professor in our town because I was a a painter at that time. I went back to this professor's house, knocked on the door on a Sunday afternoon, and I said, God, if you want me to go to India, please let me win this man to Christ. And I stood there three weeks in a row knocking on the door. The door never opened. On the third, third Sunday of knocking at the door, I said, Lord... I'm I'm sure you want me in India. Why won't you open the door? He said, don't you recognize a closed door when you see one? (laughs) And there I am looking at the blue door that I painted. I thought, yeah, that's closed. (laughs) That is as closed as it gets. Then I went to my pastor. At the time, he was the assistant pastor. And I asked some advice from Brother Donovan. Please, Brother, help me identify the will of God. And, And I had been praying that God would put something in his mouth that would give me some direction. And Brother Donovan asked me, he said, I told him I'm thinking about India. He said, are you sure India? I thought, okay, now if he's doubting, maybe I should doubt. I went back to his office the next day. And he said, Brother Flick, the reason I asked you that is because ever since I visited Malawi, he had been there like nine months before that, I've been praying that God would send somebody back to Malawi as a missionary and God keeps putting you on my heart. I said, well... I had asked the Lord to put something in Brother Donovan's mouth to give me some direction. There was some direction. Now, I wasn't going to base the entire will of God just on that one statement. I want some counsel mixed with Scripture, mixed with prayer. I want all of that. And I said, well, Brother, how how can I identify the will of God? Help me understand that. He said, well, when Brother Farnham, because that's his brother-in-law, he said, when Brother Farnham got called to India, the Lord gave him Esther 1.1. So we opened our Bibles to it, Esther 1.1. It says, Now it came to pass in the days of Ahasuerus, this is Ahasuerus which reigned from India even unto Ethiopia. Now you know the word Africa doesn't show up in the Bible. But I know that Ethiopia is in Africa. And right when he read it, he stopped right there. He didn't finish the verse. He looked up and I looked up at the same time when we looked at each other because we both realized what the Lord was doing. From India to Africa, the Lord was shifting my focus. And strangely enough, that night in class, it was preacher class. So one of my buddies was up preaching. He was preaching out of 1 Samuel chapter 3, where the Lord kept calling Samuel, and Samuel kept going to the wrong place. I don't know what he preached about. All I know is when he read that text, God said, Mike, I'm calling you, but you keep running to the wrong place. And then about 30 minutes later, I had this conversation with Brother Donovan, and the Lord said, from this to that. And I went, that's it. Now see, Esther 1.1 has nothing to do with missions, (laughs) but it had something to do with me on that night. And God spoke to me through it. Look at John 14. John chapter 14. 
Everybody here, do you know what an inside joke is? We all know that language. You know what an inside joke is? It's a joke that is funny just to the people inside that little group. I'm not even going to tell you any inside jokes because you wouldn't get it. <laughs> They're inside to the people that know about it. And that's what these verses are. They're not jokes, but it's inside information that means something to me. You would read it and think, what's the big deal? But it spoke to me. And God's going to give you some open vision like that as well. John 14, verse 31. But that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do, arise, let us go hence. Now, we read this this morning as well. I'm showing it to you tonight for a different reason. Back in 2009, I was invited to preach in South Africa, several different revival meetings, and one of them was in Clerksdorp. I preached, Brother Paul Mann was here this morning, actually, pastor in Clerksdorp. I was invited by him to preach there in Clerksdorp. He was driving me from Rudaport all the way to Clerksdorp. And while we were driving through Potch, he said, Brother Mike, why don't you pray about coming to Potch? And I laughed at him. And I said, you know that's not going to happen. God called me to Malawi. And he said, well, just pray about it. And we just drove on. So when I got back to Malawi, I did. I prayed about it. I said, Lord, I'm just asking. I just want to stay soft-hearted. What do you think? And the Lord said, well, we can talk about it. Now, that's not an answer, but, but it's, it's a conversation starter. So we did. And for the next two and a half years, I prayed and prayed and tried to take my time because it was a big decision. And then one day, towards the end of our time in Malawi, I was still deciding if I should come down here. And I read this verse. And it was, this, it was as if the Lord was speaking directly to me to say, Mike, arise and let's go hence. You're not going to be here anymore. It's time to go. It's time to move out of this place. And this was the verse that solidified my calling to Pachastrum. Now see, John 14, 31 has nothing to do with Pach. <laughs> I don't think Jesus was thinking about Pachastrum when he said this to his disciples. But he was thinking about Pach when he said it to me. It spoke to me. And you need to have that type of vision as well. Listen, the Bible is a living book. It knows right where you personally are at. So yes, it can speak to us as a congregation. It can speak to us as a population, as a world. But it can speak to you individually. And where there is no vision, you slowly die. The people perish. Come to Isaiah chapter 29. Isaiah 29, verse 9. I didn't take you through all the verses in 1 Samuel 3. But let me explain a little bit about that to color in this picture properly. There was no open vision. The word of the Lord was precious in those days. When you read about Eli, he was not a good high priest at all. He didn't, he didn't raise his boys well. He didn't discipline them. He let all kinds of nonsense go on at the house of God. It was a mess. And the Bible says in 1 Samuel 3, the candles, the, the candlesticks, the light was starting to go out. Now the priest, according to the law, the book of Exodus and Numbers and Leviticus, the priest is supposed to light those candles every day and keep the fire burning all the time. But Eli was letting that slip. He was not mindful of the written word that he had right there in front of him. He wasn't doing the generally revealed things. 
and therefore God stops speaking to him as an individual. You need to be mindful of everything in the Bible, and then when God sees fit, he'll talk to you individually. But that's where it went wrong with Eli. Now, Isaiah chapter 29 and verse 9. Isaiah 29 and 9. Stay yourselves and wonder. It's another way of saying brace yourself. <laughs> Grab on to something. Stay yourselves and wonder. Cry ye out and cry. They are drunken, but not with wine. They stagger, but not with strong drink. If you're drunk with wine, you are filled with wine. Yes? You could be drunk, but not with wine. How could you be drunk? You could be full of yourself. You could be full of your own visions, full of your own plans. And that's what was causing this nation to stagger. Keep reading, verse 10. For the Lord hath poured out upon you the spirit of deep sleep and hath closed your eyes. Where there is no vision the people perish. The Lord hath poured upon you the spirit of deep sleep and hath closed your eyes. The prophets and your rulers, the seers, hath he covered. Where did it go wrong? Verse 11. And the vision of what? Everything you need to see is written in a book. Now if you don't believe that, just keep reading the verse. The vision of all is become unto you as the words of a what? of a book that is sealed, which men deliver to one that is learned, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he saith, I cannot, for it is sealed. Verse 12, And the book is delivered to him that is not learned, not educated, saying, Read this, I pray thee. And he saith, I'm not learned. You know what's wrong? This nation didn't want the book anymore. Their eyes were closed. They were so filled with themselves and their own plans and the, desire, the desires of their own heart, they didn't want God to show them anything else. So when God delivered a book to them and said, hey, read this, all they could do is come up with excuses. Now tomorrow morning, tomorrow night, I, I don't, really doesn't, you can choose whenever you read the Bible. I hope you make time for it every day. But I'm closing with this thought. Don't make excuses. When God has delivered a book to you, make time to open it. You say, but it's sealed. I don't get it. Then break the seal. Then open it up and, and work. Study to show thyself approved. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Put the time and effort into this book so that your eyes can be opened. And it probably wouldn't hurt to start off by saying, Lord, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. God, speak to me. You know right where I'm at. Please show me something in what I'm about to read. No need for us to perish. I want you to leave happy. He that keepeth the law, happy is he. If God's given you something to do, and he's shown it to you from the book, do it with all your might. It'll keep you from perishing. Put a smile on your face. All right, let's all stand, if you would, please. Father, thank you tonight for allowing us to open the book and increase our vision. Lord, help us to see this world the way you see it. Help us to see eternity the way you see it. Help us, Lord, to recognize our heart and thoughts the way you do. 
Lord, search our hearts and see if there be any wicked thing. And lead us in the way everlasting. Continue, Lord, to open our eyes. We want to see more, more about Jesus. Father, thank You. Thank You that You have given us a book and explained Yourself in it. And Lord, forever, Lord, help us to continually learn more and more about You. Lord, dismiss us with Your blessing. Get us home safely. Bless the fellowship now to follow. In Jesus' name, amen.